On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about... He blocked the whole thing in. I can't. I'm doing the show. Tell him this call back. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. I don't give a shit. Fucking they took four months to get here. Good evening, everyone. How are you? It's Angelique Luna here. Happy New Year. It's our first podcast of the New Year. And of course, I'm here with my darling, intelligent, try to keep me out of trouble, sexy husband, Mike Inventive, guy, devious, fish. whatever you want to go with, John C. Luna. <laughs> and we are having an amazing year in the sense that we have had everything technical that could go wrong did go wrong today so far, but we are still progressing. Yes, as you can tell, we are running 22 minutes late with our live uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't mean we're going to chip you from the hour because, oh my God, I've really picked a good guest to have for the first show of the year. We really went for all-out entertainment there. It's like, we have Count Boogie from Perverted Podcast. Count Boogie is a musical comic and lifetime sex-positive adventure from abuse kid to christian preacher to radio dj drug and alcohol abuse to sober atheist bdsm practitioner he offers his life experience to others and hope that they don't feel shame for simply being who they are boogie currently co-hosts perverted podcasts dedicated towards inspiring people's kink bdsm journey in a healthy and safer way and let me tell you we've listened to the show and oh my god that is definitely a bdsm it's going musical back to my, it's going on my regulars definitely <laughs> it is well welcome to the show count boogie Thank you so much for finally making this connection of death and mayhem. <laughs> I have failed. I, I'm so sorry for the it's, couch mayhem that took place. Your poor listeners had to wait, and I feel so bad. But goddammit, Ikea couches. What are you going to do? <laughs> and we're not being sponsored by Ikea, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, we can say fuck you know Ikea. Hey, do the same shit. <laughs> Ikea has good meatballs, but, you know... Apparently, the delivery system isn't that great. And you know, that's amazing. I've talked to people in England, and they've said the same shit. The meatballs are great. I don't know what the hell they put in them to make them consistent, and they're good everywhere, but they all say the exact same shit. I'm pretty sure it's either ecstasy or crack. I'm not exactly sure, but a lot of meatballs when you're rolling at a rave, apparently. (laughs) A Swedish rave, yes. It's a Swedish rave. Swedish raves are all about, like, you know, orange juice. Furry touching and Swedish meatballs. It's a thing. And I wish I could be there because it's an incredible place to be with meatballs. <laughs> These are the jokes. This is what happens when you get stressed out boogie trying to trying to be on time for an interview. Uh, I, uh, oh, so please explain the whole, you know, couch mayhem going. Where are these couches going, you know? <laughs> well, well, there's four of them. And apparently one isn't fun enough. So I, I am also kind of the janitor, caretaker of Threshold Dungeon in uh, North Hollywood, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Um, and so I have the studio where we record our podcast right next to Threshold. So I'm kind of there to you know help when things arrive and they order these couches and 
They took forever, and they actually lost the truck. Somebody stole the truck with the couches on it <laughs> two weeks ago or something. And so our our precious couches were, like, missing or abandoned. I don't know. I think they got a trip to, like, New Jersey or something, you know. And and so finally they made it here, and I'm like, hey, I got this big high high pay gig coming up here. I got to do this interview with these amazing people. So if you don't get here by here, sorry. So of course they show up right as our interview is supposed to start, and I just told people to let them. I just opened the door, and hopefully there's going to be couches there. And now I just got yelled at because they're like, "You have to look at the couches." I'm like, "I'm doing an interview. God damn it! Fuck off!" <laughs> I didn't realize that hijacking an Ikea truck was a thing. Like, of all the things you could hijack in L.A. They were looking for meatballs. A Bugatti. They they actually looked and said, Ikea furniture, I need that shit. No, it's probably the meatballs. (laughs) I have to agree with Count Boogie, because remember, they just legalized recreational marijuana. So what do you oh, need after your marijuana? It was a munchie run. Save the meatballs and Twinkies, whatever combination of weirdness you can get for potheads. They'll eat anything. I used to eat anything when I used to get high. You know, oh, my God, ketchup works great on fish. What? And that, it's just and that salt on styrofoam? Oh, yeah, that's crunchy. Well, you know, that's called poverty, by the way. Salt on styrofoam. That's poverty, and they have another word for uh, salt on styrofoam, and it's called top ramen here. Oh yeah, and that yeah, that's that's the salt on styrofoam so, we have here. It's delicious, and it, it just doesn't ever digest for uh, until dinosaurs come back. Are, are you guys getting this thing now where their shops are open opening and they have fancy ramen? I didn't know there was such a freaking thing. I thought ramen was just well, normally a poor people's thing. Like no, 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 no. That's 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 crap ramen. Ramen noodles, actually well-made ramen noodles, man. That's a kink. That is a straight fetish. Which, oh. <laughs> by the way, I have done top ramen play with the cheap noodles. Oh. Which is amazing. You get a you get a victim. You put her on a tarp, and then you cook twenty-seven packets of top ramen, and then you drain out the juice because obviously you don't want to burn somebody. Uh, and then you let it cool a little bit, and then you just throw packets and handfuls of top ramen on somebody and it's amazing and then you actually sneak some of it in a freezer when she doesn't know about it so then you incorporate some cold top ramen uh onto her you know her sensitive parts and that's always a good time in play Normally, I feel like the freak in many conversations, but within five minutes, I, t- I hand that title over. I have never even today, thought, <laughs> thought of using ramen. Or cold I am dedicated. Ramen. I am dedicated to what can we... Well, as you know, when you become kinky and all of a sudden you have the freedom to be yourself and explore and you get in a community, we're all nerds. Absolutely. It's just a bunch of nerds. And so everyone kind of gets together, and it's like somebody has an idea, and then someone's like, oh, great, well, we tried that, and here's how to not kill the person. So what if we did this? And then you start perverting everything, and now, like, almost nothing. I have done insanely wonderful things that seem bizarre, but they're actually just fun and great sensations. It's the only community where everyone can have a first aid kit, and no one thinks twice about it, except for the military, I guess. 
Pretty much. I, mean, yeah. I, I think the military is even with us supporting all the first aid kits. Well, they're because the freaks the, who join us. I love them. Yeah, but it depends on what's on your first aid kit. Because remember, you have fire play, rope, you know, so you have various different types of impact play, so various different types of first aid included. True. Right. Well, the idea is, once again, against the myth, uh, in the actual BDSM community, um, people, the general consensus is, that if you don't kill someone, you get to play with them again. Yes, we, we so, recommend only temporary death, never permanent. You well, never... you can role play death. You can definitely, you can, you know, you can Game of Thrones role play. You know, I, sometimes I play the hound, and I come in, and I'm like, great content, you know, you get, you know, you you do some violence, and then you take the maiden, and she's like, oh, thank you for saving me, hound, and I'm like, ah, oh, great, no. Bad. Oh, awesome. Awesome. It, it is. It's like different levels here. Now, please. Jon Snow is kind of a pussy, so I don't want to be him. <laughs> you know? I mean, but he does get to, you know, have sex with the Dragon Queen. So, by the way, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones clips on YouTube, so it's like literally everything in my life now is like sounds like Game of Thrones. It's kind of horrible. Well, we know the feeling. We're actually down here in Orlando, Florida, so right now a lot of our stuff in our mind, unfortunately, is Harry Potter, <laughs> which is completely... Oh, that's right. That is, that is <laughs> mischief managed. You yeah. can't go five minutes without a commercial with something to do with that kid. Yeah, it's true. But I tell you what, my, uh, my one girlfriend, Bunny, um, literally every time we have sex, She's not thinking about me. She's thinking about me as Professor Snape. Oh. Well, at least I am always Professor Snape. And you know what? When you get to be old, like me, you're kind of cool with it. You're kind of like, hey, you know, I got a, I got a hot chick in bed with me. She doesn't want to think about me all the time. It's, eh, fine, Professor Snape. Well, of the characters you bonus, can pick, that's a great a one. I don't care. I'll be all of them. My other girlfriend, Mew, she wants Dementors to rape her. Oh my god! <laughs> That's her. She, she's the she's the darker of the two. They're both pretty dark, but but definitely uh, she's into the villains and tentacle porn and stuff like that. Well, I love her. I love her dearly. They actually have one of the Harry Potter rides where basically giant twelve foot Dementors start coming at you and shit. So I want to be there when she rides this. Because it's going to oh take a God. whole new she meeting for her. <laughs> she'd be like, Daddy, can I bring a vibrator in? <laughs> yes, um, Pumpkin, you can have a vibrator. Just don't smile too much. Oh, come on. It's you okay. Know, they wouldn't it. know the difference of the smile if it's the vibrator or the ride. You know, that everyone. And you will have memorable pictures at the end. Yes. You've got to buy those. That's that picture that... <laughs> That picture that you get when it flashes at that weird, inopportune moment. That's Mew with a O face going on when a Dementor's like ready to suck her life out. It'd be awesome. Perfect. That would be so awesome. We should not be allowed at Disneyland or Disney World or any of these places. Oh, you'd be surprised. Those are a lot of creative people there, and creative people kind of flock towards our lifestyle, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great warm-up. It has been. 
I'm pretty excited. We've talked about Game of Thrones and Ikea and meatballs and, and drugs. And Dementor I'm sex. like, this is really rocking. We're only like five minutes into this damn thing. And I'm like, <laughs> this, is, this is a party. Yeah, not so much as your podcast. Now, how did you come up with the whole concept? Because we've heard it, and it's like the visuals and the conversations. It's definitely the Howard Stern show of BDSM, to put it that mildly. Is kind of that, well, as a true um, Howard Stern, because I used to do radio uh, in Los Angeles in the 90s, and then I fucked that up and got fired and ruined all my great opportunities. But... Uh, Howard Stern was definitely a broadcaster that I looked up to because he was able to control a circus, but yet still keep the train on the tracks. Very true. And so I always admired that about him. And there's other shows out here. We had Mark and Brian uh, in Los Angeles, and they did a lot of fun, creative stuff. So, um, so I have some good mentors as far as as far as radio and broadcasting and stuff. And so mixed with all the music and comedy and stuff that I do, it kind of just seemed a natural progression that this is what I wanted to do, is that I wanted to have my own perverted circus, and but do it with kink and do it sex positive and try to empower people to be okay with who they are and explore and be vulnerable. Uh, and so perverted podcast just pretty much came very naturally as this is what I should be doing. But, of course, you know, we procrastinate for decades, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, maybe we should just turn on the microphone, see what happens, get some get some perverts together. And uh, and that's pretty much how it happened. I, I had someone, you know, I had Kathy, who I do the show with, um, who is amazing. And uh, and then at the time I had my, my girlfriend, Abyss, and uh, Fee, and... It just happened, and it just kind of evolved from there, and people really started to respond to it because it was um, kind of like a morning show podcast. And because uh, I don't have the attention span to sit for any one thing for an hour. No. <laughs> Agreed. Wait a minute. Who are you people? What am I doing here? <laughs> this is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, not. <laughs> is, oh, that's awesome. Just change your name. Just change your guys' names like every fifteen minutes, and then I'll just be like, "Oh, I'm in a new, I'm in doing a new interview. This is great." Schizophrenic Radio coming to you live. Yes, <laughs> nice. I'll be great with Alzheimer's. I really will. Well, it just means you have practice. <laughs> That's it, over and over and over again. So it seems like a great symbiotic relationship. That I mean, you broadcast right next to a dungeon. You know what? It's kind of you. Uh, my girlfriend uh, said the best quote. She's all, "You live next to a BDSM dungeon. It's kind of like beachfront property for perverts." Definitely. Because I swear to God. Because sometimes threshold. I mean, we have grown and grown. They've been around for thirty-five years. It's a nonprofit. They're education based. They're an institution, a BDSM institution in the Los Angeles area. Thousands of people have come and and learned and grown and taken that information and built their intimacy with their partners. So they're very well established. And now it's getting really busy. So it's so amazingly creepy that when the dungeon gets really packed and there's nowhere to do aftercare or, you know, there's not a lot of places to sit down, I can just kind of turn to women and go, you know, there's this other place. 
that uh, we can go <laughs> Convenient. That, uh, a little more comfortable and lots of toys, lots and lots of toys. So that's my creepy little uh, thing that I get to bring people back here during here. Usually I make them take chaperone because I, <laughs> you know, I don't trust myself. I just don't. But, man, it is it is amazing to be here. I mean, all kidding aside, it, it really is. Uh, I get to, I mean, yeah, I'm the janitor and I clean the toilets and empty the trash all week long. But, uh, but when the lights turn on and you see people come in and a lot of them for the first time coming into a, a BDSM club and they've thought about this their, you know, for years, if not their whole life, and they finally get the courage to walk through the door and they just, there's no one judging them or telling them they're a bad person for having kinky desires or thoughts. And that as long as they're respectful, uh, that they're welcome to see the, that look and that never gets old. I've been doing it for nine years straight. And every time people walk in and you see that look, cause that's the look I had when I walked in that wide eyed, you know, I mean, amazing a, look. Yeah. Just amazing. I mean, I was a freak and I never really worried about, you know, I was always that kind of punk rock rebel. Fuck you. You know, uh, I'll do what I want kind of guy, but it was still, you still felt the pressure you know, from society saying you're bad for being different or unique or creative or sexual. And when you come into a community where everyone just looks at each other and goes, oh, you're kinky? Great, me too. What are you into? There's just such a relief that it, comes through that. It's such it's a wonderful, really supportive a, community. Not, not just... It is. It can be. I, I mean, and, you know, I'm not going to speak for all communities and all people, there are still shitty people in this community just like there are in any community, you know, or, you know, whether it's sports or church or, you know, your office. There's always, it's not like a, I don't want to give the impression that you walk in and every human is safe and pure. It's not. Um, but the majority of people that I meet here are, are definitely interested in not only having their own positive experiences, but the people around them. Definitely. I know it's like some people, we were listening to an interview on the uh, on our local station that they're saying, well, there's a lot of deaths in the uh, BDSM community. I'm like, no, there isn't. I mean, it's a lot of know, misconceptions. Yeah. I mean, th there's been a lot of pain. I mean, <laughs> in excess, Michael Hutchinson. Okay. I could see that. That was there's an accident. A lot of deaths. Well, there are, there are a lot of deaths related to kink. Um, and those usually have uh, all the studies that come in uh, is those are people that are not involved in a community that are not going to classes and learning about first aid. They're not learning about what the dangers and being risk aware about what they're doing. And the majority of the deaths and injuries that happen practicing kink are usually have a common denominator of drugs and alcohol. So, there, yeah, there are a lot of accidents. A lot of people do harm themselves trying freaky stuff. And a lot of that's also non-consensual. You haven't taken the time to educate yourself or your partners about what the risks are. And, and that is how you get hurt doing this. So, so people do get hurt, but that's why we have a community so that people can come and feel the, some accountability they know that they can learn how to do Like Michael Hutchinson didn't have to fucking die, and neither did David Carradine. 
but they were made to feel that they couldn't be kinky. And I'm not, I don't know whether Hutchinson killed himself or he was just being kinky. But let's just say that he was just trying to get off. Mm-hmm. You know, if he would have been, if David Carradine wouldn't have been ostracized, and, and I worked around people in the industry that knew the guy, and he's been into bondage, you know, for forever. And, you know, but it was always something that was hidden. Because he was never, you know, he was he never sought out a community. And if he would have sought out a community, he would have learned, hey, you know what? You can do all the bondage you want. Let's just do it here where somebody can fucking take care of you if something goes wrong. And that's what people don't know because they don't, you know, a lot of people don't even know that there's a community. Or they've been told that it's all bad, evil, you know, horrible monster people. Yeah, the so beautiful why, Fifty Shades. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why we come out, and that's why I do interviews, and that's why you do a show, and that's why we try to put out sex-positive information to hopefully empower people to think for themselves and look. You know, far, there's, there's a lot of great information out there. There's a lot of shitty information out there, but, um, but people don't have to get injured and die. I do amazing, crazy things. I see people do amazing, crazy, wonderful things to each other. Never, never go to the emergency room. Oh, you may bleed a little. You may have some bruises. Yeah, but but that's just all part of the game. Yeah, but the bruises are love kisses. (laughs) The same as any mixed martial arts, football, or, you know, intense yoga. (laughs) Very true. It's true. Don't fuck yoga. Oh, yoga has fucked yoga, me up. Yoga is sadistic. Yes, it is. It, it very it is, especially if you go to the Brickham yoga, which is like, what, 102 degrees and the things. I go maximum no. 80 degrees. I could do 80 degrees in the yoga class, but that's it. <laughs> no. no, that's just, that's just, no. I don't need it. Don't need it. I don't like heat. I don't like dying. Wait a second. Yoga, You're in L.A. and you don't like heat? I, I, oh my gosh, don't even start me. I was like, have you guys avoided the fires? I live in, I live in, in the, uh, the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, which is just kind of over the hill from Hollywood. Uh, and it's famous for porn and Valley Girl and Frank Zappa and movies and stuff like that. But it's a bowl, so it literally gets <laughs> into the hundreds every summer. And I've lived here my whole life, and every year I just curse myself for not moving somewhere. But the kink scene's here. We have a great kink scene. So I'm like, I could go to Seattle or somewhere that's a lot cooler. And they got a good scene in Seattle, but, you know. It's funny, because for a while we were considering moving and then got involved with our dungeon down here. And now we're like, we don't want to move. Because we hear people that'll drive two, three hours, you know, on a Friday to come down to us. And we're, 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 30, we're 30 minutes away. And we're like, we, right. we really don't want to be one of those people who have to drive three, four hours to, to, to get to our happy place. It's true. And that's something great to point out. And we try to point that out to our listeners, um, you know, because we try to encourage people to start their own communities because it, it's, uh, we're so spoiled here. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times some of the other people start going off on the show and I'm like, hey, we got to remember that in Los Angeles, you know, every five minutes away is something, I mean, literally there's another dungeon two miles down the road from here. And, and so we're really spoiled, but there are places where people really have to drive and, and make trips 
And what if the community and the place that they have to drive two hours for isn't a great community? Because I've heard that story, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, man, we really want to encourage people to start starting their own munches and, uh, and their own private play parties. And we try to try to teach people the pitfalls and how to screen people and vet and make it safe and protect yourself. But, but yeah, there's a deficit around most of the world where there's no kin community. One thing I've discovered is that once you're in this world and when you start planning your vacations or your work travels, the work, of course, what comes up immediately is, well, what dungeons are around there? What's around there? Got to go visit. Exactly. Or what lifestyle or what clubs there? Because, you know, we're also swingers, so we also look at the swinger resorts, too. I mean, we're going up to Toronto in February. We're already checking out, okay, what's available there. Ready. Nice. And that's going to be freezing cold for this Floridian, so I'm going to die, literally. You know what works great in a dungeon when it gets cold? This is why I'm I'm the king. I don't brag a lot. But I brag for this. Electric blankets. Ooh. Bring electric blankets into the dungeon. For those of you that are just starting to go to dungeons, A, for, for the people that want to dress skimpy and hot, wear your skimpy hot clothes to come in, but bring a bag so you can change into some pajamas after you play so you don't walk in the parking lot freezing your nipples off, and bring electric blankets because... Let me tell you, I've had people play with me just because I have electric blankets. <laughs> literally. That is the most Once unique again, pickup no tool. I have no shame whatsoever. I just literally, you know how the, you know, the new dominance, you know, we all, you know, when we come in, we, we hang floggers on our belt because we think that nobody's ever seen a flogger. And, uh, you know, women are obviously going to just, you know, flock to my cock because I'm carrying a flogger like an idiot. Um, that doesn't work, but an electric blanket, you walk into a colder dungeon with an electric blanket and literally people are like, I will let you do anything you want to me. <laughs> as long as you can just hang that over the cross and turn it on for 10 minutes. Now we now, know what to I'm try. giving you my tricks. Yeah. <laughs> I am giving you my tricks. I can go, every time I give away one of my amazing tricks... That means I have to go and think of another one. You know, forces me to grow. Well, it, I'd it, love to see a dungeon with fifty electric blankets in it. Well, I'll give you. Okay, I'll share one. I was actually at a dungeon uh, this Saturday, uh-huh. and for Florida, yeah. it was cold. It was forties, so it started That's off cool. 10, 10 p.m. Everyone's walking in, and you know, it's the black, the little, the tits hanging out, gorgeous dresses. About two a.m. I saw six people walk out in onesies. We had Eeyore, and we had Deadpool, and we yeah. had... <laughs> but they were warm. Yes. Well, that is amazing. And you know what? It used to not be like that. It used to be more... I don't know about out there, but in Los Angeles, up until literally like eight, nine years ago, it was still very... a little. It was more rigid. Like now, literally, threshold is like 60% switches, Nobody has to identify as anything. They don't want to. It used to be like you are a dominant or you are a submissive, and it was a little more serious, and you were going for a DS. And obviously, if you had a vagina, you had to be submissive because, you know, women couldn't possibly be dominant. That wasn't acceptable. Um, But now that all became bullshit, 
and now people really get to kind of just be who they are. So you have a lot of people. We have littles now just everywhere, you know, people in onesies and carrying stuffed animals. And then, of course, you have your master-slave relationships where they're very protocol-oriented and disciplined, and you have the rope community, and you have all of these different communities now that just get to kind of be who they are. And it's actually very exciting to see because when I first came in, it was only nine years ago, but there was still kind of that, well, are you a dom or a sub? And now people, you know, barely even ask that. It's just kind of like, well, what are you into? Well, I like to top, you know, this place, and here maybe I meet someone and, and, and people want to submit to them. So it's, it's very exciting. It's really, at least out here, it's a very exciting time. No, no, we have the same thing over here where it's just a plethora of everything. And That's great. The only thing I would say is every top, regardless of how top dom you say you are, we have one good masseuse in the place, they bottom for her. Anyone will bottom for a good masseuse. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I, uh, yeah, the line, because I do, I, I was a trained massage therapist, so uh, that's another one of the angles that I use. Uh, yeah, people, it's, it's not hard to get volunteers for a massage. Boogie. Or wax play. You have had an interesting life as I'm reading through here. I'm a Christian preacher, DJ, uh, radio DJ, and now you threw in massage therapist. Atheist. Now sober atheist. Any Anything else in well, there? Uh, political aspirations? or <laughs> Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a lot of stuff in there. But, you know, statute of limitations doesn't wear down real great in California. <laughs> so i got to keep some stuff there. Ha! Ah, see, I joke. I joke. Sort of. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I just, no matter what, I've, I mean, I'm a janitor. I'm 49 years old. I'm a fucking janitor in a BDSM dungeon. My job is not very glamorous. But what I can say about my life is at least I've tried a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. I've done, I've, I, and I've, you know, invested in myself. I lost a lot of money <laughs> investing in myself. But at least I invested in myself. And I like to, you know, I may have some mental issues that are very old and deep-rooted, um, but you know what? This is life. you got to try things. You have to experiment with yourself, and then you have to be okay with, with failing. You have to, I have tried many, many things in my life, and almost all of them have failed. But... You have to just be willing to let go of that failure and just say, okay, well, that didn't work. So am I going to sit there and hold the torch on this thing and, and beat it for you know 20 years uh, and be miserable? Or am I going to let go of that dream and then work, try something different? So that, that's kind of what I've done. So it, people are like, you've done a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I failed a lot of stuff. But I have a lot of cool stories, and, and some of the things, you know, everything that I failed at, I still learned more about myself. I still learned more about humanity, people around me, and and ultimately, you know, this is the life. This is, this is you, you get this one shot, and uh, better make the most of it. That's awesome. You know, I, I may not die rich, but I will die interesting and happy, and lots of damn yeah. good stories. Yeah, and that's fine because you know what? I've been around a lot of rich people. I've walked through houses where you needed a goddamn GPS to get around. <laughs> oh, I love million those. Do- million dollar Ferraris in the garage, 
and these people were fucking miserable. They were unhappy. So the the rich thing, you know, hey, if you're gonna you want to hand me a billion dollars, I will take it. <laughs> no problem, I'll take it. Hopefully, I won't become miserable. I'm pretty sure I won't. But it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed happiness. If you don't, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror, rich, it doesn't matter. You're going to be miserable, and we see that in the news. I mean, how many celebrities and whatever you just see they're miserable and fucked up and shitty relationships and drama and self-hatred and manic depression. You well, know, I think a lot of people be, don't get to be themselves is, is one yeah. of the huge things. And you get tired of pretending after a while of playing a role that you don't want to play. Right. I think Oprah said it best that the Golden Globes, be your, to, to be your authentic self is to have power within yourself. Yeah. It is true. Anyone can be powerful. I mean, or at least have the, at least maybe have an option because there's other people in the world that, that you're fucked. There's no hope. There's no American dream. You're not going to, you know, there's people in the world that, that, you know what, you're always going to be poor. You have no options. You were born into it. That's the way it is. Um, how are you going to, how are you going to deal with your life? Mm-hmm. You know, we're very spoiled here. We're just, I mean, I'm a janitor and I clean shit out of toilets, but I'll tell you what, man, I'm pretty fucking rich compared to a lot of people in the world. Well, you definitely told us about some very interesting things. So I want to make a synaptic leap and talk about vagina versus leaf blower, because I'm still thinking about that one. What episode number was that? Vagina versus leaf blowers is uh, is definitely a starting point of uh, many uh, global existential philosophies. And uh, as we enter in to the matter versus theoretical physics, leaf blower vagina becomes kind of a benchmark um, for a a chosen reality versus an interpretation of a reality. Um, Or leaf blower vagina is actually getting an electric leaf blower and uh, laying down a victim of choice, male, female, depending on your preference, androgynous, whatever, and then blowing the leaf blower across, not inside a woman, don't ever blow air inside of a vagina, embolism, death, bad, non-consensual, risk wear. But you can blow the leaf blower across the vagina at uh, 135 plus miles an hour. And depending on the person that is receiving the blowing, they will either love it, hate it, or hate it with passion and try to stab you with any available thing (laughs) near you. And as someone who has done this on a number of partners, I have experienced all of those. But everybody laughs. Every one of them laughs. Love you can't you can't have your junk blown at 135 miles an hour and not fucking laugh. It's maniacal laughing, but it is uh, laughter. We did that on the show actually a couple months ago. It was amazing. I had five, five, uh, four willing and one unwilling but submissive uh, demo bottoms, and that was amazing. That was literally that's 
that's tear in the eye type of stuff. Oh, hell that's yeah. That's research, man. That is research. That is real science we're doing there. We're exploring, taking one for the team, coming out with some research. Yes, you have several and episodes the- like that. Yeah, we've listened. <laughs> we do. Do you guys do experiments on your show? Uh, not yet, that, but we're thinking about that. it now. <laughs> I am telling you. Okay, I can get you started. We have a starter kit for pervert on show things. You just use, I mean, people love it. They love seeing you live your life. They love, even if it's just dorky, you know, people like people, you know, just being themselves. And that's one of the things that's so much fun is that because we're doing podcasts, we're not we're not held down by mainstream expectations in that industry oh, no. where you have to do things a certain way in a certain time frame and you have to say exactly the thing and then you got a million people that if you fart the wrong way your show's done you're being sued that's what's great about doing a podcast okay we don't get the money but man you just get to do your own show it's nice God having that it. creative control it uh, really is. For Christmas, we it went really up to to a really nice hoity-toity part of town and went into their nice hoity-toity. You know that shop where you know everyone's named Buffy and sure. started shopping for pervertibles and nice. videotaped that. And I walked out with a really nice um, rolling pin. A rolling pin. I mean, this thing is solid. Solid, heavy. Oh wood. my god. <laughs> Rolling pins are life. I discovered them in massage school, uh, and I bought like five. Literally, my life is rolling pins. I don't bought them. I hate being touched. I was I bottomed my whole childhood. Um, I don't like bottoming, um, but I live off of my girls rolling pinning me back to health because the amount of circulation. First of all, it's pretty intense, as you well know, um, but. Man, rolling pins are just the most amazing tool in the universe. They will put your life back together. They're more for more, more than just dough these days. Yes, yes. Need me, little girl. Need me. Oh, it's no worse than me going to Walt Disney World and shopping there for pervertibles either. And you would not believe oh how many you can find in the Disney stores. I what what kind did. Do you have some examples? Because, uh, you know, we have a Disneyland out here. Oh, yeah. We were in their kitchen department, so we found a couple of the bag clips that you could use for nipple clamps. Um, A couple of the uh, wooden paddles in shape of Mickey's, you know, serve salads, but also good for spanking. A couple of spatulas. Oh, God, what else? Those are the ones I could come off the top of my head. I know we did a quick Facebook video live on that. <laughs> like, we couldn't resist. Well, nice. the one thing they had, and we're, we're not, I'll start off by saying we're not into branding. But if someone else sure. is into branding and is into Disney, they did have little cast iron coasters of Mickey. Oh. Ooh. Heat that thing up. Yeah. You're Mickey forever. You are, you, that's a commitment. Commitment We have a lot both. of people, Unger from our show, he does a lot of branding. He's our, he handles our chat room during the show, and he's Mr. Super Brander guy. I'll have to tell him about that. 
Well, whatever designs, whatever, whatever gets you there. It, hey, you know what? Uh, that's another thing about being in the lifestyle. You get to see a lot of things that you say no to, and that's cool. You don't have to do all the things. You don't ever have to do all the things. We tell people that all the time. I teach orientation twice a month at Threshold. And I'm like, hey, if all you came here to do is maybe a little neck nibbling and some role play, teacher-student role play in the schoolroom, welcome to Threshold, man. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. You're going to see some, you know, you're going to see some shit. But you can just explore at your level. A lot of people come in and they don't want to come in because they think, oh, well, I don't like pain, so obviously I don't belong in a dungeon. That is a crock of shit. You're, no, you don't have to do any pain. You can just role play. You can make out and, and pretend to be a Viking and never have any pain. You can do, you know, light bondage, you know, play with a scarf. Do, there are so many things that you can do, protocols, DS, MS, um, there are so many things you can do that don't require any pain. And there's things that you can do that don't require you to be submissive. You know, and that's what's great about being in a dungeon is that you can, you can literally just see things and be inspired. And maybe there's some things that you said hell no to when you first came in, but you see how people connect to each other while they're doing it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get that. I was like that with needles. I was like, it took me like three years to get needles in my head. I mean, you know, mentally, not sticking needles in oh, my head like fucking Hellraiser. Um, <laughs> hey, teach their own. <laughs> each their own. But, uh, yeah, I came in to the lifestyle, and I was just like, no. I mean, I had a lot of tattoos, but I still don't like, didn't like needles. And then after a couple of years, I said, well, I'll go to a class, and I'll at least see kind of what it's about. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I had a partner, and she was like, hey, I want you to put a needle in me. Can you do that? And I'm like, well, I've gone to this class, and okay, I'm sure, you know, I can do this. And I, I'll never forget it. I remember going, okay, well, I want to try this. I went to the class. I learned. I put a needle in myself, so I know how it's going to work. Uh, and I just put one needle. We've matched our breathing together. Um, I was looking in her eyes. We relaxed ourselves. We connected with each other. And then I said, are you ready? And she said, yes. And we took a deep breath in, and I very simply put one little needle through the skin in her arm, and her eyes glassed over, and she got a big smile on her face. And I just said, Oh, I get this. Mm -hmm. Never would have expected it. Went out and bought 10,000 needles the next day. I was like, <laughs> what the greatest thing ever! Oh, but that's the so same thing with know. so many things. I started off with borrowing rope. Now I have like right. 30 lengths of like 900 feet of rope. And, and you scented start rope. Oh, yeah, scented rope. I love my lavender. Ah, that is a special rope. It, it is. It's almost like a spa-like, you know, when you're all tied up and suspended and just in lavender. Oh, I feel like I'm at the spa. 
That is, uh, I, I have not even, see, now you've just taught me something. Thank you very much. Scented rope. Scented yes. rope. I don't, didn't even know that was a thing. That never occurred to me. It gets them a That's little more into a community. subspace. I'm like, that is great. I mean, obviously, you would have to make it for the person. <laughs> I ate lavender. Um, so, but like, yeah, you could do, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I don't remember what other rope scents they had. They had a few I don't other... know, but they, they, they could do, the way they do it is basically with um, essential oils. So right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. you can do that with anything. Yeah, like they, that. I think they had a rose, but I love the lavender because it was very relaxing there. Right. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like lavender. Maybe cinnamon or apple spice or because I make a lot of candles. <laughs> I do a lot of wax play. I do a lot of wax play. There uh, you go. Butter beer candles. rope. <laughs> huh? Butter beer rope for your Harry Potter fans. Ooh, that could work. Yeah, you could do a whole bunch of stuff. See, look at that. This is what I'm talking about, goddammit. We are inventive, creative people. I'll give you that. This is, and then we just go cross. See, also from Florida, Florida nine years ago is where I got turned on to blacklight play because they weren't really doing it a lot over. I mean, I'm sure it, there's nothing original. I'm sure they did it at one point. But um, I bought some blacklight floggers. There's a flogger maker in Florida. Um, and... Uh, and I bought these things. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And, and she was like, yeah, this is a whole thing out here. They have blacklight parties and stuff like that. Um, and it was predominantly in the gay communities, but they did a lot of blacklight stuff. And I said, oh, we should do that here. And so I went and made a thousand blacklight toys. And then I started at Threshold, a blacklight party. And I bought like all these blacklights and we made the entire main room blacklights and got the bubble mix and paints and highlighters and whatever. And people fucking loved it. And I would have never known about it had, you know, not had a community and been communicating with other people. So I think it's really important to not just be in your own community, but to kind of see what's going on and what other people are doing. Because, man, you guys got scented rope and blacklight play in Florida. And we got leaf blowers and pussy cookies out here. <laughs> it's how we learn from each other that counts. Yes. It is. What a great thing. I love being a student, man. I'm an arrogant prick, but, man, I do love learning stuff. <laughs> well, <clears throat> go, going, it was going back. Uh, I actually heard the most interesting thing from a vanilla that I will never forget. Because okay. I, I said to him that, you know, you don't have to do anything. You could come into the dungeon. You could just watch all day. And sure. they said, oh, you know, I thought it was like Blue Man Group, where they pick you from the audience and you have to participate. And I'm like, of yeah. all the things. <laughs> a lot of people believe that. We get that a lot here. And it's just like, no, we have this thing called consent. Consent is kind of a biggie here. You can't just, you know, they can't just sweep you up in kink NATO and drag you into a scene. You know, you have to be asked. But a lot of people think that. Oh, do I have to get naked there? Am I going to have to fuck a bunch of random people? What? It's no. not a sex dungeon. It, it, it's just a dungeon. Sex is... Well, sex in our, doesn't happen. Yeah, well, in our dungeon it no. doesn't. But in other dungeons it right. does. But yeah, here in Orlando right. there's no sex or alcohol in yeah. our dungeon. Yeah, we don't have alcohol or drugs here too. Yeah, well, alcohol is... is if you're intoxicated, how can you give consent? You really can't. No. And, and once again, no judgment. 
A lot of people like to drunken fuck and drunken kink and and kink and drug. And once again, man, I, I, I can only tell you my experiences and I can only tell you the experiences in that that is the number one uh, factor in most of the injuries and deaths that occur in kink. So I'm not going to judge you, but I'm not going to be a part of a community that, that encourages it. Oh. And I'm not going to do it for myself. And so... I'll have times that, like, like on special occasions, I'll give my girls a vodka enema or whatever, um, but we're not doing any kink, and I'm not going to be drinking. Um, and it's something we talk about, you know, beforehand. I'm not going to do, like, nice fire play on them, or I'm sure not going to do it on a stranger. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I totally agree. We fought for a long time. There's a lot of people that are like, we're adults we should be able to drink. And I'm like, well, go drink. Just not here. Just, you're not, you're not going to do it here. You know, by all means, you can, you can drink all you want. Go to motel six or whatever. I just, I, I know when I rope and I do fire play and roping and, and the little knife mm-hmm. play and all that, I'm like, I want complete control because I care about yeah. my bottom. I don't want to screw it up. And the whole idea of, Hey, let's go ahead and drink it up and then do that. Just horrifies me as a Dom. Well, we we have a lot of stories. I mean, I kind of, you know, I like to do all different things. um, And there are some edgy things that I love to do. But I had to dial myself back because I got a, I got, you got a lot of people out here that they don't know for themselves. You have a lot of new people coming in. They're like, oh my God, I want you to choke me out and, and do all this type of crazy stuff. And that, you know, face punching and, you know, everyone comes in with like these really extreme fantasies and hey, maybe they're great in fantasies and maybe under certain circumstances they'd work in realities. But as the top, I have to picture sitting in an orange jumpsuit in a, in a defendant's box and try to explain to a jury and the girl's mom that she was into it. That's what I think about when my girls say, hey, I want you to choke me out. I say, you're not the, you know, I have to think of my own risk. Absolutely. Besides your risk. Yes, I'm very concerned about my bottoms, but you know what? My risk, is it worth it? It's not to me. There's certain things that that I get asked to do. And, and of course, you feel kind of like a douche, you know, like, oh, I'm not not an Uber dom because I won't do all this, you know, restrictive neck play, choke out fucking stuff. Uh, but you know what? Tough shit. I, there's there's just things that I'm not going to do, and I have to feel okay with myself. And if people do, I know a lot of people in because we don't allow breath play at threshold. We don't allow breath play, grabbing people by the throat, restrictive neck bondage. We don't allow that. And and some people complain. I've been doing this for 45 years. Yeah, but the but the new kid that comes in hasn't been doing it for 40 years. And what if they fuck up? And now we got a dead body in the dungeon, and somebody's dead. Do you really want that risk? I don't. We're the ones that have to pay insurance, not you. And we want threshold to be open for future events. I mean, yeah. hell yeah. You know, I've seen I've seen some shit go bad, and and if people weren't around, then uh, that could have been really bad. And you know, some fantasies are okay to leave as fantasies. 
There are definitely things that work better in fantasy and things you don't expect to work well in reality that do. Sure. I mean, I love playing with a Violet Wand. Violet Wands I will bottom for. But, yeah. you know, I grew up with a father who was an electrician and a sadist. So the fact right. that I still like electricity just kind of, I know there's a psychological something down that down that rabbit hole. Sure, sure. But... That is amazing. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no, what's amazing about it is we say up and down that this isn't therapy. Please don't come to this community for therapy. If you need therapy, please fight to find a good therapist and get therapy. Don't come to the community for therapy. Um, now then, a lot of what happens here is very therapeutic. A lot of what happens here maybe helps people gain power over things that they have fears. I have trained a lot of people. My girlfriend was literally crippling phobic of needles to where you had to bring her to get a booster shot and then hold her for two hours afterwards while she cried (laughs) because she was so phobic of needles. And, well, she's going to go to med school. She's got to learn how to get over this fucking shit. Yeah, no kidding. Like That's a, a major thing in medical school is all the needles. So she knew that she had to, like, I'm afraid of heights. You know, I have fears of heights because I always want to jump and I get afraid of myself. So I, I, people are like, go jump out of the plane. I'm like, no, it's not. There's nothing in my life that says I'm going to need that. <laughs> but if there's something that you need to do and that fear is an obstacle to doing that thing you need, well, then you got to face the fear. I've done that with sobriety and a million other things uh, where you have to face a fear, but she needed to face this fear of needles. And so the first thing I did is I just gave her a needle in the package and the plastic in the package. And I said, here is your pet needle. I'd like you to give it a name. And she named her pet needle, Steve. <laughs> and, okay. And so I said, let me tell you something about Steve. There is nothing about Steve that was created to harm you. Steve is either going to take your blood so they can find out if there's something wrong with you so they can heal you, or Steve is going to give you medication that's going to help you. Steve wants to help you. That's all Steve's purpose is, is to help you. So then she took the needle home. She kept it. I made her say hi to Steve. She said hi to Steve. I said, play with the package. It's, you know, so she held the package. And then, you know, a week later, I took the package. She gave me Steve, and I rubbed the package on her, still not taking the needle out. And we just went through that for a couple weeks until she finally said, I want to see Steve. And so we pulled Steve out, and I just, you know, I just traced it. I still didn't take it out of the cap. I still had it, you know, the needle goes in a plastic cover. Um, And I just rubbed that on her, and she got very anxious, but we went through it, and we went through it, and then she finally said, I'm ready. Let's do this. And we did all the, I mean, just prep and prep and breathing, and I love you, and you're okay. You're okay. And we put that needle in her, and that the look on her face was just amazing because she did it. 
Wow. And instantly, when you put a first needle in someone, you usually put it in their chest because that, you know, if it's a woman, um, because that's a, a very fleshy place um, and it doesn't hurt very much. And you use a very high gauge, you know, like a 25 or a 27. So it, it, it's very, very little pain. Um, and and it goes in and they all look at you instantly like, huh? And then they look down at it. And then within five seconds, they have to touch it. They just, it's just the finger just goes right to it. And it has, they have to go over the little bump. Um, and she went over it and she touched it and she started crying, but it was a different type of crying. It was a, a crying of accomplishment, a, a crying that she, she stood up to her fear. It was an amazing moment. And then we built from there and it got to the point to where she's not a super fan of needles, but we do it every few months to kind of keep her in the game. I put as many as 27 needles in her. Oh, I think she's over her fear at this point. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, she still, she still gets uncomfortable. And then there's times we don't do it for a, a long time that she'll, she'll start to get some of that anxiousness back. But that's one of the types of things that we do in the lifestyle. We don't want to call, you know, we don't want to claim that we're therapists. But if you are in a positive environment, there's a lot of people that have traumas. You know, they were beaten with certain things like belts. Belts are a big trigger for a lot of people because they were hit with belts or wooden spoons or things like that or switches off trees. And so if you pull out a spoon, they'll, you know, they'll, have it, they'll be triggered. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that we do to help people take power back over their things. And that's really exciting. You know, when you have someone that's willing to take the journey with you, because you can fuck someone up real bad with that too. Oh yeah. Well, we've seen the dark side of that. And then we're just like, you're the reason that the media says that the BDSM community is horrible. It's like, it's not, yeah. you know, it only takes one fuck up to fuck it up for the rest of us. Well, it's also that yeah. when you do negotiations, asking about triggers is an important thing. Well, also health, too. If you're a diabetic or have any anemia or blood or something, yeah. you'd be very thorough in your negotiations and try to know as much as possible with a new play partner. No, absolutely. But another thing that's important to also uh, add to that is that some people don't know their triggers. You know, have True. you know what's your plan? Not just here's what my triggers are, but do you have a plan of action for if something comes out of left field? Because I've had that before, where all of a sudden you do something or you say something, you say to someone, "Hey, do you have any triggers or anything?" No, no, you say whatever you want, and then you're like, you know, you call them a bitch or a slut or something like that, and then, Wah! you know, so what's the plan of action? You know, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop what we're doing. We're going to communicate. If we need to stop the scene, then fuck it. We stop the goddamn scene, and we go into, into, into aftercare and take care of this. Or we take some steps to back off. Or the play scene takes a completely different turn, and we're now going to go into catharsis, and, and we're going to allow you to go through this. So sometimes people don't know their triggers. I mean, I, I heard a great story about someone... Uh, Miss D, who's on our show, we call her Gravel Tits because she's like 80 years old and she's just the most spitfire dominant you've ever met. She's like the matriarch of Threshold. Um, <laughs> awesome. You'll learn a thousand things from her. She has a, just a filthy sense of humor. Um, 
but she had a story where she was on she took a male bottom uh, on a cruise and they didn't have any toys because you know they didn't want to get searched so they got in the room and he was like hey you can beat me with this extend you know this extension cord lying around so she you know got him up there and she whacked him in the ass once with the extension cord and he just freaked wow. completely freaked 3 hours of freak out complete tear down of everything in his life she had to take care of him for hours because he had completely repressed the fact that the only thing that he was abused with as a kid was an extension cord it wasn't something he kept from her it wasn't even something he knew it wasn't even something he remembered he had repressed that memory so sometimes when you're playing with someone it's those unforeseen things that you have to prepare for as well so you may you know you may go through 50 scenes and never, you know, have something, you know, come out of left field, but you should always prepare for it. What am I going to do if I'm the top? What the hell am I going to do if the person starts running around screaming? Not good screams. How do I handle that? What am I going to do? How do I bring myself to a point to where I leave my uber-dominant fucking control mode and I go to a nurturing take care of this person mode because if I can't mentally put myself in that place, then I have to question whether I'm ready to be a top or not. And I think that's a lot of misconceptions with people that they just think, Oh, well I'm dominant. I could be a top, but don't really realize that what happens if it gets triggered, are you still going to be that strong well, dominant to take care of the bottom? I mean, right. some tops, you know, they could get into that headspace, but I've seen some of them just totally crack under pressure. Like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? I broke my toy. I don't know what the hell. You know, they're all like freak out. Right. And I'm like, that's not what you do. That's the first rule. You don't freak out. Well, it's right. a lot of responsibility to have someone submit to you. It's not like you're really, going absolutely. to Walmart and buying a toy. It's a human being sure. that's turning over right. their safety psychologically and physically to you. And once again, I don't want to. I don't want to pound on new dominance, because just like they didn't know what triggered them, maybe the dominant doesn't know that they can't handle a situation. <laughs> that's why you should. That's why you learn things. You you investigate. You you take things maybe a little slower before you do something really extreme. Maybe you play a little bit, you know, and do other things. Try some, you know. Try to push yourself mentally to see how you'll respond. Because I had that. I was teaching a fire play class. And I just asked somebody who'd been in the lifestyle like 30 fucking years. And I said, hey, I need you to be my, um, be my, uh, you know, my spotter. You know, because my other spotter didn't show up. Just stand there. And if something happens, you know, throw the wet towel on me. And so, because I was teaching fire tempo. And, and I, so I lit my arms on fire. And, uh, or I was lighting something and I put my hands in it and I said, then you can do this and whatever. And both my arms went on fire and I start patting my arms out and, and my, my spotter just stood there staring at the fire. Oh, <laughs> oh, pretty fire. No, that's bad. So, like fucking Frankenstein. <laughs> and, and this is somebody who's an experienced cop for many years, but, um, and I'm whacking it, and finally I got it out because I worked with fire a long time, and, and I didn't get burned. But I looked over it, and I'm like, hey, 
And he's all, oh, shit. Was I supposed to do something? Oh, I'm like, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, like, it's put cool. off the fire. I mean, come on. It's like, put off the fire. I know it's pretty. And I know maybe there's some passive aggressive hatred towards me to where you <laughs> want to see me die in a fire. But, uh, you know. So you never know, I don't, and I don't want to beat up on people because, you know, if you've never been in an emergency situation, you don't know how you're going to react. But the best you can do is train. Like in the military, these guys train day in and day out till it's like programmed in their head. So when all that crazy shit goes down, they can at least rely on their training because you don't know how you're going to react. So if you have some training, and that's why you go to first aid classes, and that's why you listen to other people and you read up on their experiences and what are their experiences when stuff goes bad. And you see how they handled it. And you can at least get some programming in your head that says, okay, this sounds like a good plan. Here's what I would do. And then that way, if something does happen, you can kind of just revert to your training. And another important thing is when things happen, don't run away and call it quits. Uh, I've I've recently heard a, a new acronym called RASH. It's called Risk right. Assessment Shit Happens. And God damn right. it, it, it does. No matter how much planning you do, whether top or bottom, or someone's eventually going to get hurt, whether it's minor or major. Deal with yeah. it, get your recovery time, and get back into it. If you want you to. Can. And, and take responsibility. Oh, yeah. Take responsibility. I mean, and... You know, we've all, you can't be a top and not have made some mistakes psychologically and physically. That is going to happen. But um, I've had to apologize for not, for not uh, foreseeing a problem or for how I handled a scene or something like that. I've had to actually, you know, to where I, I, there was an accident that happened, you know, or a toy broke on them that shouldn't have, or I tried something that whatever, or I just flat out missed my cane swat and hit him in the back of the kneecap where you're not supposed to hit him. Uh, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. That was a dark... Because, of course, it leaves a mark there, and then you're like, ah, oh, now everyone knows I'm a douche. But, but <laughs> like, here's the well, thing. Even if everyone knows, it's not like you're blacklisted because everyone knows... Every, every experienced yeah. Dom knows they're going to make a mistake. So no, if you are perfect. a young Dom... And you do make a mistake. Sure. Don't feel like, oh my god, I gotta hide this. It's the end of the world. It's Watergate. No, no we you know can't. what's gonna happen. We're because all where you're gonna get kicked out of the community is if you don't take responsibility. We do understand you will get banned from the community if you hurt somebody or make a mistake and you don't take responsibility for it and you don't try to make it right and you don't take care of the body. Because we've had that to where people are like, you know, they the fucking you know, they don't gauge the heat of the wand or the, you know, the metal part and burn somebody. And, and they didn't take responsibility for it. They kind of made a bunch of bullshit excuses. Well, guess what? Fuck you. If your image and your ego is worth more than this person's safety and, and taking responsibility for yourself, then you shouldn't be playing in our community. Agreed. I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw, uh, I, I, I saw a situation where somebody chained someone up by the neck. The person was much smaller than the bottom. They started flogging the bottom. The bottom oh. passed out on the chain. They could not pick that person up. 
They screamed. We came in. We had to pull this choking to death motherfucker off. And then when we came back and we chastised this person and said, hey, what happened? What are you going to do about it? They acted like a fucking snob. Oh, that'll they get acted you like out. A, You could have killed this guy. They were like, ah, it's not a big deal, and I won't do it again, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, no, you don't understand. Not only did you put the, the health and safety of your bottom at risk, you put us at risk, you put your own life at risk, but whatever, you're, you're yourself. You put our dungeon, you put everything at risk. This is a serious thing. And they were like, you know, why are you making such a big deal out of this? And guess who Excuse has me? never stepped foot in our dungeon again? Yep, you that's have to, the you, way. Now, now, we've had other things happen where something happened and there was a mistake made or there was, you know, uh, you know, like a consent issue. And the person was like, I didn't know. I it took responsibility. Whatever needs to be done. They worked with the person. The person was, you know, they handled it. Um, and that person was, you know, they had to leave for a while, like a year, and show that they had made the changes. And, okay, you made your mistake, and, and, and you took ownership of that. So... It's okay to make some mistakes, but you have to take ownership when you do. Absolutely. Whether your image is, is harmed or not. <laughs> I know. Ego trumps everything sometimes. And it is. It's hard because I'm a love god, and I have a reputation of being a goddamn amazing love god. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> if they listen to so, the show, they'll probably believe it. So, yes, definitely. See, no, they won't. See, the problem is... Well, that's the, the thing. I don't, I do that on purpose. I don't have a problem taking responsibility for myself because on every show that I do almost every week, I talk about what a fuck up I am. And I talk about all my fuck ups with my girls. And when I wasn't sensitive or I didn't think of this or I pushed a boundary that they weren't in a good place for, like I make mistakes and I talk about that stuff all the time on the show and I do that to train myself so in the situation where it matters I'm not gonna try to protect my ego because I have you know everyone already knows I'm a fuck up so you know might as well just take ownership of it <laughs> absolutely there well Count Boogie it's been a wonderful hour how can our listeners find you it is so simple we've said perverted podcast a few times Type in to your computer perverted podcast and you will find us. I mean, we're on everything and iTunes and SoundCloud and, you know, or you can just go to pervertedpodcast.com and there's a player right there and you can, you can listen to our mayhem and, and, uh, and it's pretty much pretty easy to find. Awesome. And you can find me everywhere on our social media and our webpage, livinasexpositive.com. I'm going to start doing a lot of workshops here in Orlando, plus our tour de force again, I guess, is going to start in February. We'll be at Playground in Toronto. That's going to be February 23rd to the 25th. Then Leather Leadership Conference, March. Oh, God, I forgot the dates there. I just know it's in March. And we're actually going to be broadcasting at Leather Leadership Conference. So Playground will be actually playing and having fun. 
But uh, definitely, and yes. we'd like to thank. Want to have all, fun? Yes, we would like to thank our sponsors, King Crate. Um, monthly BDSM subscription. Do subscribe because they're the ones who pay and support our travels. So please buy stuff for them so they can pay for our travels. <laughs> and if you want to reach me, I'm John C. Luna on, let's see, Facebook and Twitter. And of course, FetLife. But I definitely want to go ahead and again say thank you very much for kicking off a great year, Count Boogie. This has been so much fun. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. Your listeners are awesome, and they deserve your awesomeness. I'm hearing that Howard Stern in there. I love it. (laughs) You definitely have to check it out. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye.